Diane Cotter is not a scientist. She's not a researcher. She's not a sleuth. She's not a journalist. But she became all those things when her firefighter husband, Paul, got sick in 2014. I had a husband at 28 years, came home every day with a smile on his face, you know. The job was the love of his life. He used to walk up the stairs and slam his big <laughs> size 14 boots on the wooden stairs coming up through the kitchen. Push open the door with a smile on his face. Paul's cancer was found when blood tests in preparation for cataract surgery showed his levels of PSA, prostate-specific antigen, were high. Getting it checked out was just routine. Until it wasn't. And I remember being, um, you know, in a rush that day because I wanted to get on with the errands that I had to do. And here I was going to have to go downtown in Worcester and Park and get in the hospital and sit through this, you know, ordinary procedure. And the doctor was so congenial in speaking to Paul, very nonchalant. And I thought, okay, hurry up, let's get on with this. Got shopping to do here. And then all of a sudden he says, yeah, it's cancer. And in that second, I screamed. I can still see myself screaming and falling into that chair. I was stunned. I was shocked. Nobody in my family, there's no history of prostate. Or I'd never given it a thought. And I had no symptoms, no, no idea at all. Most men who get prostate cancer are older than 65. I've always heard that doctors tell men, ah, you can live with prostate cancer. Something else will probably kill you before the prostate cancer does. I've heard it, but I have a handful of friends that have died from prostate cancer. More than 15 of Paul's colleagues got prostate cancer, young like Paul was when he was diagnosed at age 55. Diane took note and wanted answers. Why were all these firefighters getting similar cancers? She went to her computer and searched firefighters and cancer. She was gobsmacked to learn just how high the cancer rate was in firefighters. Several states over, corporate lawyer Rob Bala was pulled into a similar mystery after he was contacted by a rancher in West Virginia whose cattle were dying and deer in the nearby forests were bleeding to death. Rob thought a local production plant was dumping too much waste into the landfill and it was making its way into the creek, going over their permit given to them by the regulator. A simple fix, get the company back into line with its permit. There were permits, there were, there were limits on how much you could discharge and those permits identified all these hazardous, toxic, regulated materials. It turned out there was no permit for whatever was being dumped into the landfill. Rob had to file a lawsuit to get DuPont, the owner of the plant, to produce documents about his operation in West Virginia. DuPont stalled, denied access, and forced Rob to get a judge to order the company to hand over documents. It turned out what was causing the mysterious deaths was a chemical that was not regulated. Digging into the documents, starting to get into the files, and seeing what was really going on there changed my entire perception not only of what was happening at that particular site, but my entire perception of environmental laws. I knew it in our entire legal system, our regulatory system, <laughs> the way science is generated, 
just opened my eyes to things I had never been aware of before. Rob Billot and Diane Carter were working on the same mystery, looking for the secret ingredient DuPont was using to produce products like firefighting protective gear that when discarded in a landfill could make its way to a waterway and animals drinking the water would die. Welcome to The Poison Detectives, production of Canada's National Observer, and made possible with funding from the Dragonfly Fund in collaboration with the Institute for Sustainability, Education and Action. Episode 1 is next.